Derrett was on the banks of the Ninor River, as it had to be to survive. Book 1, Aragon. Chapter 21, Derrett. Welcome to Aragon and Back Again, a podcast where we explore Christopher Paolini's inheritance cycle one chapter at a time. I'm Darian Smart. And I'm Lucy Hart. And we're in another village. We're in another village. And not everyone's dead this time. Yes, which is good. It was, it's kind of like, oh no. And yeah. then it's like, oh, thank God no one's okay. dead. Okay, we're good. Yeah. <laughs> but before we get into that, yeah. Luce, yes. do you have a spark of inspiration? I do, a little bit. <gasps> Sparks. So like... I've been kind of struggling with, like, getting back into writing. I just, like, it's a personal struggle with myself about self-confidence and how mm-hmm. I feel about my writing. But there was something I learned from the writer's boot camp that I was in that I've been kind of taking some solace from is basically, like, do the, if, if you can't, like, if you're, uh, don't overwhelm yourself if you can't write or do anything like that. Put in the minimal effort, even that, even if that is just to show up. So just pulling up your document and staring at it and being like, I can't do this, but at least I got the document pulled up. Yeah. So like there's, it's it's just that like you did, even if it's like that, like put in minimal effort. And even if it's like you pull up the document, you write a word and then you're like, nope, I can't do this. And then you close it. You did at least, you put in the minimal effort, you did that one word. Even if it's like, I only wrote for a minute or I only wrote for a sentence, like like take solace in that you mm-hmm. did it you showed up today and that was enough that is enough like I think that's I think that's really important and like the inspiration of that is just like I don't have to push myself mm-hmm. like I am okay in doing the minimal effort that I can so yeah. that's that's kind of I've been thinking about that a lot lately so I was yeah like, yes and on Sundays it feels like that's not like oh the minimal effort that was your maximum effort. exactly that was every you exactly. did you poured in as much as you could and even if it's just you opened the document and you sat there for a minute and you were like, nope. Yeah. But that was the maximum effort you could give that yep. day. And I think that is respectable. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I remember when, cause you were in the, doing the boot camp, and I could overhear some yeah. of the things. I really liked their approach of discussing writing as a practice and a muscle. Yep. And you can't go out there and run a marathon on your first day. Yes. Like absolutely. that's bad for your body mm-hmm. and setting yourself up for failure. Maybe you did it, but at the end you are going to lock up on the subway and be trapped forever. Yep. That's a how I met your mother reference. <laughs> but just giving yourself like revving up and getting into the practice. I, I like that a lot. Yeah. So absolutely. You nice. gotta practice it. Anyway. Yeah. What is my spark of inspiration? <laughs> so Dr. Emily Wilson did another translation of Ooh. a homeric work. Uh, Lucy, you have uh, Emily Wilson's translation of the Odyssey. Yes. It kind of lives in my room right now. Yeah. I, I, I looked over, re- I'm like, oh, look, there it is. Yeah, <laughs> I got a reference for my mythology podcast. I reference it a lot. And Emily Wilson's translation of the Odyssey is my favorite. Yeah. So I was endlessly jazzed when I learned she was doing the Iliad. Yeah. Which I also now own. Oh, You'll see excellent. it right there. Excellent. And, uh... If you don't know, uh, Emily Wilson is the first woman to professionally translate Mm -hmm. the Odyssey. And in doing so, she identified a lot of biases in previous translations that were Mm -hmm. all done by men. Mm -hmm. And the fact that 
a lot of men took that very personally. Yeah. And they're like, how dare? But it reminded me of how, like, because you'd be like, hey, these things have been translated in a certain way for a long time, but that's not actually accurate yeah, to, to what the what text the original says. Story. This is, a, like, a bias or a cultural expectation or interpretation they are projecting onto yeah. this piece. And that is not necessarily being like, these men were bad and they were failed. Yeah. It's identifying, like, a drawback in a limited experience. Yeah. And kind of reminding me of... Like in archaeology mm-hmm. and this idea that for a long time they would find like knives put up higher in rafters. Yeah. And there was a theory like, oh, well, they believe that if like the knife was closer to their god, it would be sharper. And then women got into the field and they were like, it's so the kids wouldn't play with them. Yeah. Oh. Or they would find uh, a bunch a very common in like pre-antiquity, like statues of of like a female form like very very large large yeah. thighs large breasts and they're like oh this must be some sort of like sexual for like like fertility like, oh not not even fertility it was like yeah. a sex symbol po- basically porn yeah is what they would yeah. say it was and then women got into it and they'd be like oh that's what my body looks like when i'm pregnant when i look down and can only see myself from above that's yeah. what it looks like yeah. to someone who is pregnant and so it's like oh actually these were maybe pregnant folks tracking their own pregnancies and yeah. what their bodies look like. And so my spark of inspiration, one, Emily Wilson's translations are amazing and her take on translating is so good. Yeah. And her, like, just her approach to it is, like, not to roll up using these and those or some nonsense, yeah. but to use the contem- your contemporary language. Mm-hmm. But specifically, I think the inspiration is the inherent, like, value and treasure that comes in like comes from engaging in the work of others who do not share your experiences mm-hmm. and allowing those like, and, and the, the value that comes with a, uh, a genre or a, a, like a field of study when more people are allowed to enter it and bring their experiences and how much more yeah. there is. And I find it like just the inspiration that comes from knowing that you will never know everything. Mm hmm. And that that is like the incentive to consume and engage with all kinds of of creation and pieces and knowledge. Yeah. Because the world is like vast and interesting, but we will never be able to fully present it in our own one piece of work. Because no matter how much research we do or what we've experienced, we are still only ever being able to bring our own experiences. Yeah. So we should read everything we can. Mm-hmm. I like that. Thank you. Very good. Now the on to summary. the chapter summary. Darrett. The party finally arrives in the next town. Brahm and Aragon are halted by armed and suspicious townspeople. Their Brahm is able to convince their leader, Trevor, to allow him to buy the supplies they need. They exchange information about what happened in Yazwak and what the countryside has been experiencing before continuing on their way. Returning to Sephira, Aragon finds his dragon furious. Unhappy with the danger Aragon constantly finds himself in, Sephira demands that Aragon ride her rather than the horse. Aragon agrees, albeit reluctantly. Yep. I fucking love that. <laughs> so pissed. She gets so, so angry. She's, I literally blink and you're in another thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, the stress. Yep. But yeah, like we said at the top, like they're getting into this town and it is so quiet yep. again. And they're it's like, oh, no. Yeah, they're like, oh, no. And mm. I think like one of the things that helps Aragon is he said he looks down and sees the fresh footprints of like children. And he goes, mm. Okay. Okay, not a, not okay. 
not murdered. Yeah. He, okay. So don't. But he doesn't know where they are. But they're not dead. Mm-hmm. All right. There were kids just here. But where is everybody? Yep. And they are very quickly ambushed. I feel like is more of a full on attack. But they are they are halted. Yeah. By villagers who like there are six. You're surrounded by sixty archers, and all of a sudden they are like people have appeared in like broadswords, and they look yep. up on the rooftops, and it's like oh. And Aragon's over here like, okay, I might have to use magic. Yeah. But I, I don't know, Safira, don't come. They'll shoot you out of the sky. And she's yep. so mad. And Brahm is able to like really calmly, he's like, oh, we're just going to go visit my uncle. Just spits those yeah. lies so easy. Yeah, this is my nephew. We're just, we just want to buy supplies. Yep. And the other guy's like, okay, well, would you, yeah, the, the guy they're speaking to is like, you say you only want supplies. Would you agree to stay here while we bring you what you need and then you pay us and leave immediately? Yes. All right. Yep. And that's what they do. Yep. And we, we, it's, I think before we started recording this one, Luce, you mentioned how this is like a throwback to what we heard in the traders yep. when they were in Carvajal about how everything is like, things aren't great out here. Yeah. Absolutely. We actually, and now we see, see it. it. Well, I guess we saw it in the village where everyone was like dead. Yeah. But we, it, that was like a super like shocking. And this is like people who are living through it. Like, yes. That, so this is, this, this is actually the normal. Yeah. That was the extreme. That was the extreme. Exactly. And mm-hmm. this is like, Oh, people are, and they even talk about like, we've had too many encounters with Urgles and bandits for me to trust you only on your word. And so it's like, yeah, Shit's not great out here. Like, it's yeah. really bad. And it also just, I think you mentioned, too, how it was just a stark co- uh, contrast contrast mm-hmm. with Carvajal. Yeah. And how easy it is for them. And they're not like this village yeah. where they're having to, like, am- ambush any traveler on the road mm-hmm. for their safety. So. Yeah. Being, I think we see, like, being in the spine on the other side of the mountains has been a big form of protection absolutely for carvajal because why have they not ended up like yazwak yeah yeah like that is so we are just truly seeing how lucky aragon and his like village have been yep absolutely uh yeah we get a little bit more it's like brahm's like y'all should leave yeah because there's definitely a band of urgles and you are not going to stand a chance yeah and trevor's like these people have lived here forever and they value this more than their own lives. Like, yep. they're not going to leave. This is their home. Also, they've killed a couple Urgles, and it's definitely overinflated their sense of ability. But, yeah. but as he says it, he's also like, I'm not going to leave either. But he also mentions that he's been in the king's army. Yep. And that's interesting. Yeah, because he's, he's like, why, are you, why did they pick you to talk? And he's like, I used to be. I was in the king's army for some years. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting. Yeah. Because... So for me, it's an interesting look in because we've heard about how bad the Empire is and how, you know, oh, they're really bad and they have the freaking, uh, um, oh my gosh, the Razak. The Razak are working for the em- the Empire and all these things. But then this dude is super chill. Yeah. Like, this like he's totally dude, reasonable. Yeah, he's reasonable. He doesn't seem evil. So it's it's kind of like, it makes it more complicated where mm-hmm. it's like the Empire isn't, profoundly evil and bad like everything that their soldiers and things like that they're not profoundly bad it's like this part of this this one person who was in the king's army is not inherently evil yeah and, and so it's it's an i really like that and and he seems to have faith in it because he's like when you enter like when you get to your next town you do us a favor alert the empire to our plight and that of yeah. other towns if word of this hasn't reached the king by now it's cause for worry and if it has but he has chosen to do nothing 
that too is cause for worry. Yep. And so there is this guy who like, he's like, hey, will you let the Empire know so they can like help us? Yeah. But he's also like, does have like, that was his first thing is like, they don't know yet and they would send help if they did. Yeah. But he also has this like, you see like maybe like the start into like realization of like, what if they do know and they don't care? Yeah. That little doubt. Yeah. That maybe he, because it's like, we don't know, because it's maybe he was in the king's army and he left because it was terrible. But when he asks them to tell the empire, you sense that he does have like a faith and loyalty and a belief in this system. Absolutely. That a lot of people live under. And while like the Carvajal like has no love for the empire because they've just been like heavily taxed and no help was sent during hard winters, Mm -hmm. they still live unrestricted like brahm is allowed to tell his stories yep and but it's but it's because they're so far out of the king's grasp yep if they were a lot closer brahm things would, not would be have different been, things yeah. would be different so it does i think yeah as you're saying lucy it does suggest like there is more complex in the everyday people who have upheld this system yep. because they appear to believe in it yep absolutely mm-hmm. and even as they're leaving brahm notes that it is like, the Empire is in worse condition than I had imagined. When the traders visited Carvajal, they brought reports of unrest, but I never believe it was this widespread. With all the Urgles around, it seems that the Empire itself is under attack, yet no troops or soldiers have been sent out. It's almost as if the king doesn't care to defend his domain. Yeah. And so it makes you wonder, like, what Galvatorix wants. Like, what yeah. is his motivation if not to... Like, it's like, well, these are, like, Urgles running amok and, like, killing your civilians, your villages. Yeah. Not just that you care about your people. Yeah. We, we get, it's, again, genre. We know he doesn't. Yeah. The genre, no, listen. His name <laughs> ends with an X, and he has a black dragon in a fantasy novel. We know he's evil. Right? He overthrew the writers with a dirty shot. We know he's yeah. evil. But the, the fact that he's still, you would assume be like a power-hungry megalomaniac who would view the Urgles coming, the Urgles who killed his dragon, his first dragon, as like an insult that he would want to wipe out. How dare you set foot on my land? Yeah. And he's not doing that. And he's not doing anything. And it does leave you wonder what is going on. Yeah, what happens. Yeah. Broadening the fact that like Aragon, like the world is bigger, like the Shade and the Mm Razak and all these other like factions that he doesn't know about. Yep. And that we still don't know the bigger picture. Like, yeah. what is the king after? Because it's, it's like, it's also with this, it's also, uh, I, I think I'm, I'm remembering this when I first read this. Mm-hmm. And it made me think about the shade, that the shade and the Urgles that we get in the first book. It's like, mm-hmm. is the shade ahead of these Urgles attack? And is the shade like doing this unmounted, unknown attack to the king's domain and the king is just completely unaware of this mm-hmm. so it adds like a two like Galbatorix is evil but then the shade is evil and it's like if yep. there's going to be an all-out war that breaks out between the shade and this king like what's that gonna do and yeah just it's a lot of unknown but it it's a lot of tension yeah because we believe the razak are working for Galbatorix yes that's what brahm says they do yep and brahm we didn't have no reason to believe brahm is lying yeah but brahm could be incorrect mm-hmm we know the Shade controls the Urgles. At least we have seen him controlling Urgles. Yep. So we are left to assume that the Shade is responsible for what the Urgles are doing in the kingdom. Yep. But, and then we know the elf woman was doing something with a dragon egg and yep. trying to take it somewhere. So, And we were also aware of like the Vanguard, which is another rebel faction that yep. we haven't heard from in a while, but we know yep. they exist. And it, it's like a bunch of moving parts that are all... Everyone wants something, but we have no idea exactly what they want, except yep. we know they want this dragon egg. Yep. That's, and that's yep. all we know, but we have no idea what for and how and whomst and why and where. Yep. So 
and and we so we actively we don't know anyone's motivation. We yep. only know Aragon wants to kill the Razak. Yep. But we don't know anyone else's motivation and how that's going to impact Aragon and what he does. Yep. And it's just it's almost it's like looking at it that way. It's like they've got enemies on all sides and they have no idea. Yeah. And it's no just idea. like that's it's alarming. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> Shortly after, Brom asks Aragon if he'd used his powers, and Aragon's like, "Well, there's no reason to." And he's like, "Wrong." <laughs> And I, like he te- he uses it as a teaching moment, and I really I like, like that. that. Yep, yep. Because he's like, you could have looked at Trevor's intentions. He's like, I that's we real like that's what Brom did. Yeah, you could tell the guy was genuinely not gonna kill them. He's like, yep. if I thought they had already made up their mind, we would have been out of there. Yeah, you can tell he's basically letting him know, like, hey, you know how you like always talk to Safira, and you've reached out to the horses many times to calm them down. You know, you could do that with like a person, right? And Eric's yeah. like, no, I did not. Yeah, no, I did not know. He's that. Like, I didn't think about that. Mm-hmm. And what I actually like is, again, Aragorn's smart. He asks about, but if I can get into someone's head, doesn't that mean that others can do the same to me? How do I know if someone is prying in my mind? Is there a way to stop that? And mm-hmm. Brom's like, excellent. Yes, good question. And just mm-hmm. like, why, well, yes, hasn't Safira positive ever- reinforcement. Yeah. Of good job. Yeah. And then talking about how when Safira blocked Aragorn so completely, mm-hmm. where Aragorn couldn't get in to her mind at yeah. all, no matter how hard he tried. Mm-hmm. And, and he so- that he's like, I don't think she was doing it on purpose. But yeah. It was that example of how you do that, which is a single minded focus on one thing. Yep. Which is what Brom tells him, like, imagine a wall or yep. something. And don't let any cracks or weaknesses. I also like the fact that he acknowledges that because you can do magic, you would know if someone was doing this. Yeah. And we also indicate that, like, uh, people who don't do magic don't know when people are doing it. So Brom can get into Trevor's head and just sense his, like, vibe check, really. Yeah, do it. I like, it's a vibe check. It's a vibe check, yeah. And uh, Trevor doesn't know. Because imagine if you did know. Things would be weird. It's like when yeah. you roll that spell in D and D, and if yeah, you don't roll mind. high enough, yep. they will. The person will know you what you were doing. Yep, and absolutely. that makes it more like less likely that you want to do that spell. Absolutely. So, but it also makes it more terrifying for Aragon because it means like if he doesn't know how to keep people out, he'll know they're in there and be powerless to yep. do anything about it. Absolutely. And um, like, how then Safira. Then Safira. Oh, they get back to Safira. Would you like to do a reading? I can do a reading. Where where were we starting? When I'll I'll be Aragon. So you'll be Safira. Okay, yeah. Now we'll just read their dialogue. When they reach Safira, she startled them by thrusting her head at them. The horses backed stepped nervously. Safira looked Aragon over carefully and gave a low hiss. Her eyes were flinty. Aragon threw a concerned look at Brom. He'd never seen Safira this angry. Then asked, "What's wrong?" You, she growled, you are the problem. Aragon frowned and got off Kadok. As soon as his feet touched the ground, Sephira swept his legs out from under him with her tail and pinned him with her talons. What are you doing? Sephira swung her head over Aragon until they were eye to eye. You, every time you leave my sight, you get in trouble. You're like a new hatchling sticking your nose into everything. And what happens when you stick it into something that bites back? How will you survive then? I cannot help you when I'm miles away. I've stayed hidden so that no one would see me, but no longer. Not when it may cost you your life. I can understand why you're upset, but I'm much older than you and can take care of myself. If anything, you're the one who needs protecting. (laughs) Sorry, this is great. And then she snarled and snapped her teeth by his ear. Do you really believe that? Tomorrow you will ride with me, not that pitiful deer animal you call a horse, or else I will carry you in my claws. Are you a dragon rider or not? Don't you care for me? Oh, wow. Wow. It's 
the layers. Yeah. You know, the I'm angry that I have to keep hiding and I can't protect you. I'm scared you're going to get hurt. I feel confused and upset that you insist on still riding the horse and not me. me. You were supposed to be my rider. Yeah. Why are you still riding the and horse? It's, and it also goes back to like when when it was just them at the farm, like they had days where they just spent time together and talked Mm -hmm. and they've had none of that now yeah and it's like that's and it's also aragon has brahm safira has no one yeah she's like up in the sky with like no one to not i mean she can reach down and talk to them with her mind but it's she's it's lonely Mm -hmm. it's It's lonely yep and so when aragon relays to brahm what she wants and brahm's like yeah you know it'd probably be fine but if you're attacked or there was an accident i wouldn't be able to get here in time and Severe pressed harder on his chest, stopping his words. Exactly my point, little one. And it's like, uh, okay. <laughs> it's like that's that's mm-hmm. a point. And I do like how we go back to like Aragon is scared to fly. Yeah, because he got hurt so bad. Yeah, he's like, and so he's just scared. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I also like how it we see. Again, like how deeply like Safira cares about Aragon and is frustrated and scared and just like, we're going to do it my way now. I'm done. Yeah. But also we use that moment where Aragon's like, wait, but if we're away from like Brahma, if I'm not next to you, what if something happens to you? And Safira's like, exactly my point demonstrates that Aragon cares about Brahm just as much as Safira cares about him. And yeah. we know that's a whole awful lot. Yeah. And like, and it's not that, and it's also just kind of like with Aragon cares about Safira, but Safira's a dragon. She's got this. Like mm-hmm. he's not worried about her because she can, she's up in the sky. She can protect herself, whatever. But it, it is that like double, like, well, I'm worried about Brahm. And Safira's like, yeah, I'm worried about you for the exact same reason. Yeah. Like I'm cool, but you're squishy you're and that's squishy. not okay. Yeah. And Aragon's like, well, I know Brahm's capable and stuff, but when we were attacked by Urgles, like, they still got the jump on him. I think he said that, like, a stupid horse got kicked and reared back. Yeah. Like, the, whatever. The orc, it like, shouldn't have happened. Him, yeah. But. but it, and so it, even though, like, so Aragon does, like, very reasonably have, it's, like, reasonable to be concerned about Brom now. Mm-hmm. Because he did see Brom get really badly hurt. Yeah. So. Uh, but he does promise. Yeah. He's like, okay. He gives, he gives her her word. Mm-hmm. He gives her his word. Mm-hmm. And then we get uh, a pretty solid level up in the swordplay training. I do really like this. I think about this a lot. Yeah. Like, ever since I first read this, I think about how this happens, and I'm like, it's just so good. Mm-hmm. And, like, there's so many times where, like, in other books, I will, two characters will be fighting with swords. I'm like, y'all are going to get dinged up, and it's just going to be bad. I'm like, y'all should just, like, create this, like, barrier on the sword so mm-hmm. you don't do that. And it's I, it's always this. This is always stuck in my head it's mm-hmm. so good i love it so much yep i love it starts with they've uh they've gotten so good uh aragon specifically has gotten so good that brahm is definitely even fighting harder than he was before because yep. the sticks break yep so just throw him in the fire like all right time to use our swords and I'm like, like, at first aragon's like are you you're joking right like we're going to kill each other we'll cut each other to ribbons yep. is what he says <sighs> not so again you forget magic yep I don't know what my Brahm inflection is. Sometimes he is like <laughs> serious and stoic. And sometimes he's Rumpelstiltskin from Once Upon a Time. I, I have no it. idea what I'm doing I love here. It. Um, but yeah, they, he puts a spell to like put an invisible barrier around the edges of yep. the sword. And that's tight as hell. That's like, so good. Ah, that's really It's cool. really good. So it's like they'll still break. And I like how he says, oh, what does he say? These swords won't cut us, but they can still break bones. I would prefer to avoid that. So don't flail around like you normally do. Mm-hmm. A blow to the neck could prove fatal. So it's like it's still dangerous that they're doing it. They're not going to cut each other, 
But if they swing hard enough, they could still be not great. Yep. So it's like they still have to be careful. And yep. I do like that too. It's like most of the danger is averted, but not all of it. Like yeah. these are still weapons and they can still do damage. Yeah. Sparks. But even with like the, the barrier around it, it still doesn't decrease the coolest part, which is when sparks fly off the blade. Yeah. Like that is the coolest part of a sword fight. Yep. Absolutely. And I also, oh, were you going to keep going? Nah, it was just cool. Um, I also really like that Aragorn's not just like, all right, I know how to fight now and I can do this with a sword. Mm-hmm. A sword would be significantly heavier than a stick. Yeah. And so I do like the sword felt slow and heavy to Aragorn after fighting with sticks for so long. Mm-hmm. So now he has to get used to an actual sword. Mm-hmm. So I do, again, I love that detail because it just, it makes sense. Yep. I like the, it's a very like level up. And I'm like, Jazz, that it's like, which is, all right, time to use swords now. Yeah. We've been sticks long enough. Now for swords. And like, yep. okay, cool. Yeah. The uh, complaints I had about the training first sequence, I still have those. So I don't like how it was introduced. Yeah. But the every training sequence after that and how Has it's been... like building up like is very satisfying. Mm-hmm. And I like seeing it progress. And I also like that the book is actively acknowledging Aragon getting better. Yes, I do like that. And we get little bits better. Little bits better. Not like leaps and bounds yeah, not leaps and bounds incredible now but like we acknowledge we we are actively seeing his growth yep. through the training and it's very satisfying yes i agree mm-hmm. it's very good mm-hmm. yeah that's all i can i'm like that was yeah. all just amp- uh, putting emphasis on what you said so yes lucy what is your writing takeaway for this um, chapter i kind of want to do something with like I think we talked about foreshadowing as one of the other ones, like using foreshadowing and like doing things like that. And I think like if you brought up a theme of, hey, the world is not great, Mm -hmm. like make sure you stick with that. Follow up on your foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. And I I feel like we've done that before. But I think that's I um, I don't know. if Again, I can't remember if we did that one or not. But I think that's. Again, just very evident here, especially because it's been so many chapters Mm -hmm. since the tri- uh the caravan came into yeah. Carvajal and it's like there like and oh I guess like that could be it it doesn't matter necessarily how you reintroduce it doesn't like the time frame you don't have to be like there's tension and then immediately introduce like the world is in a really tough spot and then immediately do it like, that it. can come later yeah like you do not have to prove that immediately you can take your time and other things can happen mm-hmm. before it happens um just make sure that it is followed up because it would I feel like it would be a plot hole to like introduce something and then just never follow up with it yeah like it it, it just like sweep it under the rug Mm -hmm. or whatever but if you're gonna follow up on something make sure to follow up but it doesn't have to be immediate yeah I think if you're like saying like oh the empire is like there's unrest and it's dangerous and then we never actually get to see that but people keep just telling it to us yeah it makes the like the narrative feel unreliable yeah and then all of a sudden it's like, well, when do we know if something's actually like you want to give me stakes, but then you don't follow through or you don't yeah. show me, you just tell me. And like, how am I the reader supposed to like believe anything? And then, oh, well, that is like you say something else. And now that one turned out to be yeah. true. Then I can't. Re- I don't trust you. And if that's Absolutely. not your intention as the narrator, like as the one who's doing the narrating, don't do that then. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I think like, again, like they could have come out of Carvajal and then seen the first village, the one that Rowan went to work on, mm-hmm. that could have been destroyed or something like that. And I feel like that would have been too soon. Yeah. Um. And But it's like the next village they go to is decimated, and then this one they go to has been experiencing the troubles. And mm-hmm. so I think, like, again, like, you don't have to do it immediately. You can extend that. Yeah, so. absolutely. I think for mine, it's like, let your characters be angry. Because Safira's anger. Yeah. I liked it a lot, and... 
I find it valuable. And I think sometimes characters being angry is just like, oh, you must tamper and control your anger. And yeah. Like, it'll consume me. Which like, yeah, misplaced anger is harmful. Yeah. But Safira is allowed to, ex- like, I like that Safira is allowed to express her anger and also demonstrating where that anger is coming from. Yeah, absolutely. I agree with that. I just think it works. Yep. Let your emotion, let your characters feel their emotions. Luce, do you have a uh, call to action for our listeners? Mm-hmm. Let me, I'm trying to word this. What would be like, not like your favorite or I guess like your favorite or like the best example you've found where a character expresses their emotions in a way that like really resonated with you? Yeah. Yeah. That's... So like with Safira being angry, it's like, oh yeah. And like even in the couple of chapters before where Braum was like really angry, mm-hmm. but like was able to explain it in a way that you're like, yeah, that totally makes sense. Yeah. So it's like in those situations, like what is a way, it doesn't have to be anger. It can be like mm-hmm. anything but where they expressed their emotions in a way that you're just like, that makes just sense. feel it. Yeah. yeah. I'll give an example, not from uh, this text in a uh, girl goddess queen. Yeah. There's a moment where uh, Persephone goes through the underworld specifically to avoid being like forced into a marriage by Zeus mm-hmm. and Hades doesn't believe that's why she's there because how like you really how could marriage be so bad that you'd come to the underworld yeah but he's able to he has this like place where the rivers of the underworld meet that will show him anywhere in the world and he actually sees Demeter and Zeus taking offerings for Persephone's hand yeah and so he brings Persephone to watch and she sees Hermes like offering up his lyre or offering something. I don't remember. Yeah. And because uh, Apollo offers the liar, which is the thing Hermes gave him. Yeah. So Persephone's over here like he's going to re-gift something. This yeah. Is but so she has to watch it and it's very upsetting. Yeah. And Hades is disgusted. He's like, I would never let anyone talk about the goddesses of the underworld this way. I would yeah. never let them be treated with such disrespect. Yeah. And, but Persephone's angry at him mm-hmm. because she's like, I already told you this. Yeah. I told you this. Why didn't you believe me? And you had to see it for yourself to believe how bad it really was. Yeah. And also, you didn't even think about how seeing that myself would, would upset me. me. Like, that deep, like, triggering. This is her greatest fear, and she's seeing it in real. Yeah. And, like, yeah. And I think it was, like, a very, like, complicated layers that were yeah. done very well in this scene. And Hades does be like, oh, yeah, I should have believed you when yeah. you came because you had no reason to lie. And I should have thought about how this would hurt you. Like, yeah. You, you have every reason to be upset with me. Mm-hmm. Great book, y'all. Great book, I y'all. I really got to Yes. Mm-hmm. I'm still keeping an eye on Audible for it. <laughs> One day. One day. Well, listeners, uh, as always, hit us up. Let us know your thoughts for this episode, any previous episode. Yeah. Favorite moments, stuff like that. Over on Instagram, at AragonPod. Yes. You'll find us. Absolutely. And until next time, she's Lucy Hart. And she's Darian Smart. And this is Aragon. And back again. 